This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Take two. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, August 10th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle flying solo on today's show. Uh, had about a 40-second uh, show for you there, and then uh, I don't know if the internet briefly went out here, if it was a problem with StreamYard. My daughter said the internet did not go out, so I'm going to blame StreamYard. But good to be back with you. Uh, we're going to do a deep dive on the Buckeyes' offensive line, really the second-team offensive line, and we're going to really do a deep dive on the linebackers. Um, got a chance to interview Jim Knowles yesterday, got a chance to interview uh, several of the linebackers. And, you know, I think offensive line and, and, and linebacker are the two question marks on the team, the two biggest question marks. Although we're going to get to another question mark that maybe people aren't talking about enough, and that is depth at corner. Um, and it just got worse. It was already a question mark. Um, we'll get to that later, but I really want to do a deep dive on the linebackers. Um Great talking to Coach Knowles as always. I love that he said he want, wants a top five defense. Um, you know, it was um, really good to hear him say that because, you know, somebody asked him, you know, I asked Coach Day the question at media days, you know, what's your expectation for the defense? And he said top 10. That got a lot of buzz. Somebody asked Jim Knowles about that yesterday, and he said, I want a top five defense. And then we were talking to Tommy Eichenberg, and he said he was actually – he was asked about Coach Knowles saying that, and he said he's probably was trying to be, like, nice to you guys, not say too much because – what he really wants is the number one defense in the country. Love that. All right. Let's get started. Let's talk about the offensive line, um, specifically the depth. Now, what I want to, you know, the biggest thing to me is you look at the second team offensive line, we can talk about, you know, they're actually coming together pretty well, in my opinion. You go from left to right, you got Zed Mahalski at left tackle. I think he's going to do a good job there. He's a guy on the rise as, as a redshirt freshman. Um, I think Zed Mahalski can do a really good job this year for this offensive line. Um, you know, and then you look at, you know, down the line there, you know, they, they do have some question marks, but I like that left side with Zen Mahalski there at left tackle. Again, he's a guy that I think is going to be a future starter here and, and by future starter, probably next year, because Paris Johnson Jr. is probably going to go pro after this year. Zen Mahalski could be a three-year starter here, or maybe less than that if he like, goes pro. I, I'm that high on that kid. I think he's going to be a very solid backup left tackle this year. I like Enoch Bamahi um, there at left guard. You know, we'll see about Jacob James at center. We'll see about that, how that works out. Um, and But he's the backup center right now, third-year guy. Um, right guard is another third-year guy, Trey LaRue. Um, another guy, I think the jury's still out on him. And then at right tackle, Josh Fryer. I really like him. So in my opinion, I think three of the backup offensive linemen could probably hold the fort down if they needed to start. Um, I think Josh Fryer is the best of that group. I think he's the sixth man, um, you know, and it's great to have him back from that that torn ACL that he had last year, suffered it in the warm-ups of that Michigan game. 
Uh, so Josh Fryer's the number six offensive lineman, you know, and I think it'd be interesting if Paris Johnson Jr. got hurt, if they would go with Zen Mahalski. Because again, I think, you know, you talk to, you know, Justin Fry like we did on Monday, they like Zen Mahalski a lot. Um, it was cool talking to Zen for the first time. And you know, when they bring out certain guys, that means they're in the mix. They brought out eight offensive linemen to talk to us. And the three backups that they brought out were Josh Fryer, Enoch Vamahi, and Zen Mahalski. And my many years on the beat, you can read a lot into that. I'm not going to tell you not to read into that. You can read a lot into that because that means those guys are in the mix. They don't bring guys out for interviews. They're not in the mix. That's why yesterday, you know, with the linebackers, it was telling who we got and who we didn't. We'll get into the linebackers a lot. But so there you go. I think depth on the offensive line, if that's the biggest concern on the team, which I really don't think it is anymore. I think maybe depth at corner is. We'll get to that, uh, like I said. But um, it's maybe better than, and even Ryan Day said this, because that was his biggest concern coming out of spring, because Fryer was hurt, and you know, he wasn't sure about Mahalski yet. Mahalski had a great offseason. Paris Johnson Jr. was saying, listen, everything that I did, and Paris Johnson Jr. worked his butt off this summer, from all accounts. Zen Mahalski was right there working with him, asking him 100 questions, as Paris said, but right there working with him. So um, I think those three guys could hold the fort down. We are talking about Josh Fryer, Zen Mahalski, and um, Enoch Vamahi. And again, it'll be interesting if, you know, if Paris Johnson Jr. got hurt, if Fryer's just the six-man period, they put him in there, or a guard, because Fryer can play guard, too. Another good thing about him, he's versatile. He can play both tackle spots, both guard spots. So um, there you go. I think the uh, second-team offensive line, not too bad. All right, the, mo the main thing I want to talk about on today's show, like I said, is the linebackers. We just got a chance to speak with Coach Knowles and the linebackers yesterday. Now, the biggest piece of news to come out of that was Knowles saying that Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers have solidified things at linebacker for us. I'm going to repeat that. Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers have solidified things at linebacker for the Buckeyes. So there you go. We've been talking all offseason that those are probably going to be the starters. Well, you can just etch it in stone now. I mean, they are going to be the starters at linebacker. But he likes the depth. He also said Cody Simon is going to play. They're going to like – I don't know if they're going to do like – they're like a hockey lines like they did last year with Al Washington – um, but I think that they are going to, you know, we're going to see some guys roll through there. He said that they're going to use a lot of depth on the D line, of course. Um, but um, that's no shock. Sounds like about eight defensive linemen are going to play, which is pretty much the case every year. Um, so they're going to rotate. And some of the other, other guys in the mix, he mentioned Cody Simon is definitely in the mix. Um, he mentioned, you know, even CJ Hicks is a true freshman will play. I don't know if he's going to be necessarily, you know, maybe he'll get the fourth or fifth most reps. We'll see how it works out. Sounds like Cody Simon's going to be that number three guy. Chip Traynham's definitely in the mix. Um, and we're hearing Chip Traynham's the fastest of the linebackers. And, you know, we got a chance to speak with EA Natiote yesterday and Doug Lamarice from the uh, Cleveland.com and Buckeye Talk, uh, Talk Pod, who always asks great questions, was asking uh, EA for some superlatives for the linebackers. He was asking him, who's the fastest? You know, he's going through all the guys. And he said, Chip Traynham is the fastest of the linebackers. And after Doug, Doug was asking, I was trying to get it in as Doug was asking, but, you know, uh, being a little rude there. But I was like, I wanted to know who other, you know, who, who would win the silver and the bronze? You know, and he said in no particular order, it would be, you know, C.J. Hicks and Steel Chambers. So those are your three fastest linebackers, Chip Traynham, and then in whatever order, Steel Chambers, C.J. Hicks. Um, so Chip Traynham's in the mix. Um, Taraja Mitchell's in the mix. So, you know, we'll see. And those are the guys that they brought. They didn't bring out Chip, but they were going to. He had a, he had a, a some type of conflict or I'm not sure what it is. But Chip Traynham is definitely in the mix. They did not bring out Reed Carrico. And Jim Knowles did not mention him as one of the top six guys. So I found that to be a little interesting. You know, Gabe Powers, I think, is a year away. That's no surprise there. So 
Um, I'm probably leaving somebody out doing this off the top of my head, but telling you, I mean, you know who the starters are now with Eichenberg and Steel Chambers. That's a bold statement for him to say these guys have solidified things at linebackers for it, uh, for us. So, um, and then Cody Simon, again, he's coming on, Chip Trainum, CJ Hicks, Taraja Mitchell. Uh, we'll see about EA Natiote if he's in the, he's, I don't think he's in the top six. He might be that seventh guy. Uh, and then we'll see about Reed Carrico. It might've just been a thing where Jim Knowles is speaking off the top of his head and, um, you know, just, you know, Reed Carrico's maybe more in the mix. Cause I thought coming out of spring, he was a lot more in the mix. So we'll see. I think the one guy who's probably going to red shirt and they'll probably get him out there for four games. Um, and maybe he won't red shirt. I don't know, but the, the, it's probably Gabe powers. They got nine scholarship linebackers. He came in about 214 pounds. He needs to add uh, some weight and some muscle, but he's going to be a good one down the line. We all know he was a highly rated prospect. So, uh, yeah, so, um, you know, I – so we'll see. I mean, now, because Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg have locked things down and solidified things, does that mean they're going to be superstars? No. I mean, I don't I, – I don't, I'm not ready to say either one of those guys is going to be a superstar. I do think Steel Chambers has a higher ceiling um, than Tommy, but I think they're both going to be good, and that's what they need because I think this defensive line is going to be really good. I think Knowles' scheme is excellent. I think you guys are going to love it. Um Again, I love that he put it out there. He wants a top five defense, you know, raising the stakes. You know, Coach Day says top 10 defense. Everybody's like, whoa, if they have a top 10 defense to go with this number one offense, we all think it'll be number one. Um, you know, I think that, um, you know, if they're, a, if they're a top five defense, lock it down. They're going to win the national championship with this elite offense. So, um, yeah, we're going to get – I see some of the some of the questions out there. We're going to get into the, into the defensive backs. Um, but – I wanted to address linebacker. They got a ton of depth there, and it was just interesting hearing what Noel said about that and kind of kind of getting the pecking order finally. You know, another thing I love talking about Noel's, he's not going to tell you, like, coaches hate talking about depth charts with the media, obviously. I would, too, if I was a coach, right? Why are you going to put it out there? And you want guys competing. You don't want guys thinking, oh, okay, I'm the, now I'm the starter. I can relax. Or a guy thinking, oh, I'm, I'm not even going to crack the two deep. Why am I going to bust my ass? Like, you, you, you don't want, really want that out there, but – I like when coaches give us a little bit more than hints and, and Knowles does that. So um, it was good to kind of get a feel for the pecking order at linebacker yesterday. Great depth there. Um, and we'll see, maybe steel chambers will break out as a star this year. I, I just need those guys to be good. Um, it's kind of like what I said, all off seasons with the defense overall, if the defense is good um, to go with this elite offense. Ohio state's going to be a big problem this year for everybody. And if, you know, if coach day and, and coach Knowles get their wish, and this is a, a great defense, then this might be one of the best Ohio State teams we've seen, and they're going to be right there with Alabama to win the national championship. Because, we, I mean, you look at this Ohio State roster, it is stacked. I mean, you look at Bama's roster, to the surprise of zero people that are watching this or listening to this right now, Bama's roster is plenty stacked too. So those are your two teams that are, to, to me, are head and shoulders above the rest this year. Georgia is really good. I think Clemson's going to be really good, and there's going to be some other teams in the mix. But I think Ohio State and, and Alabama, in whatever order, are – head and shoulders above the rest all right dbs somebody asked about safeties we'll get to talk about safeties but i want to talk about corner first um i'm concerned about depth at corner and i was concerned about it entering camp because they only have six scholarship corners and i have never ever seen that before at ohio state they have what like 11 scholarship wide receivers they got nine scholarship uh linebackers if they get the kid from uh, usc to finally get on the team parker lewis they're gonna have three scholarship kickers Jake Seibert's also repping at corner, so I guess maybe they have six and a half scholarship corners. He's not going to be a factor there. They have six scholarship corners. Two of them are true freshmen. One of them's really coming on in Jire Brown. We're going to get to that. But 
here's the problem. You enter camp with six scholarship corners and the talent, high-end talent there, you know, the veteran, Cam Brown, who I think is going to have a big year as a fifth-year senior, come two years now removed from that Achilles surgery um, that he suffered, you know, that, that injury at Penn State game early in that truncated 2020 season. He's now about two years removed from that. And he wasn't bad last year. And remember, he was the one mixing it up against Michigan. He was the one going at it when Michigan was taking cheap shots late in that game and and talking, which, hey, they had the right to talk. <laughs> they finally beat Ohio State and took it to him. Okay, but Cam Brown was the one fighting back, and I love that about him. He's got some dog in him, and now he's two years removed from that Achilles surgery. He's still one of the fastest guys on the team. Look for Cam Brown to have a big year. You got Denzel Burke, who was a revelation as a true freshman last year, now as a sophomore. You got to think, as good as he was a true freshman, he's going to be better as a sophomore. Reasonable to assume he'll be better. We'll see if he's markedly better or just a little better. He's going to be better. Jordan Hancock was really coming on. The problem is he's banged up. Jim Knowles revealed they are banged up at corner. So not only do you only have six scholarship corners, they're banged up at corner, as Knowles said. Now, I don't know if it's serious. Somebody asked him, is Jordan's injury serious? And he said, that's above my pay grade. I mean, there's only one guy above his pay grade, so we know who he's talking about there. And Knowles makes about $2 million a year, so you got to be – it's got to be serious information to be above his pay grade. But obviously he's not going to talk about injuries when the head coach doesn't want to talk about injuries. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully it's not a serious injury to Jordan Hancock because they need him. Uh, J.K. Johnson's that next guy. Another guy, second-year guy. Man, did they land three good three good corners last year in that class. Kerry Combs, for all his shortcomings as a D coordinator. Man, he not breaking news here either. He could recruit his butt off. Um, Denzel Burke, Jordan Hancock, and J.K. Johnson in the same class. That is getting it done. So love that. Um, good news here is Jair Brown is really coming on, like I said. He's going to be that number five corner, and if Jordan Hancock's out, he's going to be that number four corner. Got his black stripe removed yesterday. Jair Brown, a true freshman who played his senior season in the Cincinnati area um, at uh, at Lakota West, but is true and, and, and was born in Ohio, then moved. He moved from a young age to Louisiana, New Orleans, and he considers that his hometown. So he's been playing against top competition all through high school in New Orleans, Louisiana, and then we know, you know, Cincinnati big school football is is that has some tough competition as well. So Jair Brown came in ready to roll. He looked good in the spring to me. Number eighteen, Jair Brown's a guy to keep an eye on this year. I think to me with Jair Brown, it's like it's like CJ Hicks, but like but even more important. Not that he's better than CJ Hicks or he's going to be you know be a you know better player overall at Ohio State, but they just need depth so much more at corner. It's kind of like what I said about C.J. Hicks. C.J. Hicks will play. The question is how much. Jair Brown definitely will play. The question is how much. And I think he'll play a bigger role than C.J. Hicks on this team just because they need corners. Hopefully Jordan Hancock is not hurt. But, um, but yeah, I think um, Jair Brown's got to keep an eye on. The other scholarship corner is Ryan Turner. He looked good to me in the spring. We'll see. Hopefully he's a guy that comes along. Hopefully today we learn after practice that his black stripe came off, you know, or soon. That tells you, for those who don't, don't know, if you have, you know, the freshmen come in with black stripes on their helmet, and then once you uh, officially become a Buckeye, it's almost like, you know, maybe if you, to use a, a bad analogy, I guess, if you're rushing a fraternity, when you actually become a member of the fraternity, although hopefully they're not hazing these guys. They're not. They're not hazing them. Um, Ryan Day would not so, would not put up with that for a second. Now, they do fun things, I'm sure. I don't consider making a guy, I don't know if they do this, you talk about hazing, we all know what that really means, but there is fun hazing you could do like NFL teams that make the rookies 
stand up, you know, when the team's eating and they have to sing that they're the fight song from the college that they came from. That's fun hazing, you know. You don't need to do things that are going to injure people, but like stuff that embarrasses people. I think stuff like that's fun. So you can still do some fun hazing. Anyway, um, you know, back to the point, you know, we'll see about this. But, um, you know, this roster, I just completely like lost my train of thought there, but uh, going off on on hazing. But uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, these guys like Ryan Turner, Jair Brown, um, we'll see about Ryan. Tur- oh, yeah, I was talking about Black Stripes, excuse me. Um, so if you come to Ohio State, it's like basically you're a freshman. Once you've shown in practice, whatever you've done in meetings, it's overall, you've shown the team that you're now officially a Buckeye. That if they need you, you could play. You get the black stripe removed from your helmet. And it's a big deal. They make a big little, you know, not a big ceremony. It's like a minute or two. The big brother, every freshman has a big brother on the team. The big brother, you know, announces it. And then they take the black stripe off. And then the player who got the black stripe taken off has a little speech. It's cool stuff. It's cool stuff. Some people think it's corny. I think it's pretty cool. Um, maybe it's a little, maybe it's a little both. I'm glad I, I remembered what I was talking about there especially after the technical difficulties to, to begin the first show. For those that are just tuning in, we we uh, had like about like 30 seconds of Bucknuts Morning 5, and then it just completely like shut off. I think it was a StreamYard. We use StreamYard here uh, to put on all of our platforms, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and then I put an audio-only version um, on Bucknuts as well. So I'm going to blame StreamYard for that because my daughter said that internet didn't go out. So there you go. Um, there you go, Sue. I'm sorry. It's when I'm doing it solo, it's hard to get all the all the comments and everything. But yes, Sue, I agree. I love the the black stripe thing. I think it's cool. Um, yeah, it's symbolic. It's um, and the guys like it. It means a lot to the freshmen. And it's not just the true freshmen. And you got guys that, that you know are redshirt freshmen that didn't play last year because of injuries, or, or maybe they weren't good enough. In Jalen Johnson's case, it was because of injury. Somebody was asking, "How does Jalen Johnson still have his black stripe on?" Well, he tore his ACL last year, you know, and it's, it's nothing against a kid, but if you get hurt and you're out all year, I guess maybe there have been exceptions to the rule. I can't think of one where a kid, unfortunately, before he loses his black stripe, has an injury, wipes him out, can't practice. You're not going to get your black stripe removed till the following year. So look for Jalen Johnson, a redshirt freshman. So it's not just the true freshman. It's the redshirt freshman. Um, I think even the transfers, I think Tanner McAllister in the spring had to lose his black stripe. So Chip Train and those guys. Yeah. So it's not just the true freshman. They all lost their black stripe in the spring, by the way, those guys that transferred in. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, yeah, thank Urban. Urban started a lot of cool stuff. You know, they don't do Friday Night Lights anymore. And we got to keep in mind, there's still guys, like, important guys on the staff. Mickey Marotti's still the only holdover, you know, but, like, main guy that you guys. But think about Mark Pantone, the guys behind the scenes. Pantone's not even behind the scenes. Everybody, Mark Pantone's a, a rock star. He counts, too. So, you got Marotti and Pantone. Um, who are just, you know, other than Ryan Day, and maybe I guess now you can make the argument, Jim Knowles, nobody's more important to the program than Mickey Marotti and Mark Pantone. In fact, I'd put it in whatever order, Ryan Day, and then maybe a tie with Marotti and Pantone. Uh, maybe you could say Pantone because of how, how important recruiting is. But strength and conditioning is, are you could argue, is just as – I'm going to say they're a tie, whatever. You got Pantone, you got Marotti, and then you got Knowles fourth. Those are like the main four guys in this program, but there's a couple of support staff guys that are still here that urban brought in and just the culture that he brought, but you know, who else he brought Ryan day, you know, and then, you know, urban is, I think a lot of times when you've had like a lot of success coaches that even if they don't put it out there, when they, uh, they go seven and zero against Michigan, they 
win the national championship. They hand the reins over. Even if it's to one of their guys, they're probably kind of half thinking, oh, I hope he doesn't do that well. I don't get that vibe from Urban at all. I think he loves Ohio State and just roots his butt off like he's a fan and loves Ryan Day. And you know, kudos to Urban for what he accomplished at Ohio State. And then bringing in Ryan Day, what's and you guys will all remember this. Who were hired at the exact same time? Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson, because it's similar to what happened with the defense. What happened in 2016? The offense was an absolute joke and 2015 because of Ed Warner and Tim Beck. And Urban had enough, finally. He never should have promoted Ed Warner. He never should have brought in Tim, well, whatever. It was like what happened with Kerry Combs and the defensive staff this year. It's just like, no, burn it down. Bring me Kevin Wilson. That was my big thing. Like, come on, this would be perfect. Like, Indiana was a joke before he got there. Like, they were tough to play against because of that offense that he ran at Indiana. He couldn't – his defenses were terrible. We weren't bringing him here to coach the defense. Get me Kevin Wilson, who's a head coach and was an offensive coordinator at Oklahoma, very successful. Offensive coordinator at Northwestern, very successful. That's when Northwestern kind of started to become good. That was right around then, Kevin Wilson's offense. Before that, he was at uh, Miami of Ohio, offensive coordinator. Also does the offensive line well. I was so excited to get Kevin Wilson thinking, great job, Urban. 2017, June, or excuse me, January of 2017, not long after that embarrassing loss to Clemson, he's like, I'm bringing in Kevin Wilson as my offensive coordinator. I'm like, yes. And there's this other guy they're bringing in, Ryan Day. It's like, oh, he's he, this guy seems to have a pretty good resume. I had never heard of him. Never heard of Ryan Day. I was leading the campaign for Kevin Wilson. And he brings in Ryan Day as well. So funny how it worked out. And then you're hearing things that first year, like this Ryan Day guy is impressive. And then we got a chance to interview him. You're like, whoa, you got that feeling. There's certain coaches, you know, over the years, you can just tell are going to be future head coaches when you talk to them. You get that feeling talking to Justin Fry right now, by the way. Look, hopefully the Buckeyes can keep Justin Fry around. You get that feeling talking to Justin Fry for sure. He's going to be a future head coach. Jeff Halfley, I could tell, is going to be a future head coach. Uh, Daryl Hazel, I could tell talking to him back in the day, even though he, he did really good at Kent State. And he didn't do well at Purdue, but. Uh, tough to win at Purdue, um, but you can just tell talking to certain guys, they're going to be a head coach one day. So um, uh, what people are saying Jim Knowles is finest hire. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah, that, that probably is. That probably is days. Well, Halfley, we'll see. The proof will be in the pudding with Knowles. Halfley was only here for one year, but you could say that, that Halfley was the best. You could say that because he was so freaking good. They went from, they had a lot of talent, but they had a lot of talent the previous year. And they went from, I believe it was 68th in the country under Shiano. And maybe in Shiano's fairness, he was actually a good D coordinator in 16 and 17. I think he mentally, with everything that happened at Tennessee when they screwed him over, I think that, and they brought in Alex Grinch thinking he was going to be a D coordinator and they just didn't mesh. I almost give Shiano a pass for that. Cause I think the previous two years he proved he was a good D coordinator, in my opinion. Anyway, um, and then Halfley takes them to the number one defense in the country. Last year, they were 59th in total defense, not playing against a lot of good offenses. And I think Knowles can take them to at least top 20. We'll see. Um, but, you know, back to the story. So, you know, so they bring in Kevin Wilson. I'm just over the moon. If you guys remember watching, we didn't do the show live back then or put it on YouTube. We put the audio version on YouTube. But if you guys remember listening to the show in January of 2017, if you've been with us over five years, heck, we've been doing this show since the aughts. It was called Front Row Radio, and then we moved it to Bucknuts Morning 5, like in 2013. We changed the name, changed the format a little bit. But it was crazy because I, I was just, like, so excited to get Kevin Wilson. And then there's this Ryan Day guy coming in, too. And as I mentioned, I was, like, pretty good, 
pretty good, uh, you know, resume. It'll be interesting to see how he does as quarterbacks coach. And they gave him the, the title of co-offensive coordinator, Kevin Wilson, offensive coordinator. Thinking, okay. And then you're hearing great things about Ryan Day. And then we got a chance to interview him. Like I said, you can just tell he's going to be a future head coach. I didn't think it'd be here. That'd be, you'd have to go somewhere and then come back maybe. Um, and it's just crazy to me that how it worked out where like two years later and really a year later when Urban got suspended, Ryan Day was the interim head coach a year after he got here. He must've been like, what is going on here? They had Shiano on the staff. They had Kevin Wilson on the staff. I thought for sure one of those two guys would get promoted. Larry Johnson, you know, when Ryan Day was out there, you know, that one get uh, that Michigan State game because of COVID, Larry Johnson stepped in as, as interim head coach. I thought it'd be one of those three. That told you a lot right there that Ryan Day was promoted to interim head coach when Urban was suspended. So then it's like, wow. Um, I'll be honest, though. When everything went down and, you know, Urban had to, you know, whatever you think happened, you know, at the end of that, you know, 2018 season, if he was forced out, if he retired because of retired for a year because of um, the health issues, um, and whatever you think happened, you know, I think that there was maybe there's some truth in, in everything. I think that there was definitely strife between you know President Drake at the time. By the way, thank God Christina Johnson's are the university president, not Drake anymore. But that's a topic for a different day. I think she does a fantastic job. I think he was terrible, but whatever. Um, I definitely think that there was. Those two guys, I mean, no, I think those two guys, I don't want to, I don't know if Drake hated Urban, but I would bet you my life Urban hated Drake. So that, to me, there's something with that, but I'll be honest when Urban stepped away and then we were hearing it was probably going to happen. In fact, there was buzz throughout that 2018 season that it was going to happen. That day was being groomed as the replacement, the successor. I'm thinking, geez. First of all, you don't want to be the guy that replaces the legend, as we all know in sports, right? You want to replace the guy who replaced the guy. You don't want to be the guy that replaced the legend. You want to replace the guy who fell short after the legend was there, and then you replace him, and you can come in and get things back on track. No. That, that's not how it was. Day is replacing the legend, I'm thinking. I like Ryan Day a lot. Is he ready for this, though? It, it, this is Ohio State. Uh, you know, as Jim Knowles has said, this is not an entry-level position. Not the you know, it was an entry-level position for Ryan Day either. My point is, I was thinking, he's never been a head coach on any level. He's been here for two years. Um, I did like that he had those two years in the NFL. And when he was hired, he talked a lot about how those two years in the NFL, he dedicated himself to being as much of an expert on quarterback play as possible. Like, he already was from his playing days and his coaching career, offensive coordinator at Boston College, offensive coordinator at other spots, quarterback's coach quarterbacks coach in the, in the NFL for those two years under Chip Kelly. Um, so I like that, but I'll be honest with you guys. I was, I was skeptical. I needed to see it first. Now, very early in the 2019 season, I was not a skeptic anymore. You could just tell, like he had these guys playing at a high level right away. They came right out. Remember everybody thinking the Cincinnati game was going to be close that year. Uh, Buckeyes 42 Bearcats, nothing. <laughs> it's like, Oh, Luke Fickle's going to have their guys. And they had a good team that year in Cincinnati. Oh, Luke Fickle's going to come up here and have his, his guys ready. And I'm sure they were. That Buckeye team was a juggernaut that year. They got screwed against Clemson. They should have been at least in the national championship game against LSU. Um, but uh, that 2019 Ohio State team was phenomenal. So I knew early on that I was wrong. I'm happy to say I was wrong. I love Ryan Day. And quick, one more quick story before I finish the show. So I talked to some current parents. Uh, we put an item in the boarding house about this. And boarding house is where we do like our rumors and inside scoops column on Bucknuts for subscribers. Um this wasn't a, a rumor or an inside scoop. It wasn't a kind of an inside scoop because it's coming from current Ohio State parents. 
I find this very interesting about Ryan Day. Speaking of being skeptical of Ryan Day, maybe I shouldn't feel bad that I was skeptical at first because, and I love him now. I love everything about him. I love talking to him. Uh, he's so good with the media. The biggest thing I like about him is he's a great head coach for Ohio State. That's what I love most about him. Great man. Here's what I find interesting. I'm not going to name you the parents, but several parents that I've talked to on the current team whose sons were being recruited by Urban, some who had even committed to the Buckeyes when everything went down and Urban stepped away, they took over. They were like, hold the phones. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What is this? I want my son playing for the lead. Who, what is going on here? Like, I, I'll get to know Ryan Day, but the legend is stepping away. Urban's not going to be coaching my son. That's one of the main reasons he's going to Ohio State is to play for Urban Meyer. So a lot of these parents whose sons either were leaning toward Ohio State or just being recruited by Ohio State and some that had already verbally committed to Ohio State, their parents were skeptical to say the least. Ryan Day had to go in and re-recruit those guys, and it didn't take the parents long to realize, okay, I really like this guy. Here's the really interesting part of the story. So all those guys, I can't think of one um, that, you know, was committed or was a strong lean to Ohio State when Urban stepped away that ended up going elsewhere. I could be missing somebody. But I'm talking the current par uh, parents on the team that I talked to. There's a handful of them. And um, here's the really interesting part of the story. Now – they say it was a blessing in disguise. That's how much they love Ryan Day. And they don't badmouth Urban. They still really like Urban. They said Urban was great. They loved like getting to know him, you know, because he's such a rock star. And they were excited about their son's plan for him. And to this day, they like Urban, you know. I, we all know what happened in Jacksonville. But, you know, I mean, these parents got to know Urban on, you know, much closer than, you know, even in, in the media we do, you know, because he's got to be on when he's talking to the media. But the parents, it can be real, at least – I mean, not real because he's, he's trying to charm them as much as possible and get his, their sons to play for him. But you know what I mean? I mean, these, these parents get to know these coaches well. It's not like they, get, they talk to Urban once. He wants a kid. He's talking to those kids a lot. So there's some big-time players that I'm talking about, big-time recruits. And um, so it's not that they're like, oh, I love – it's a blessing in disguise because I don't like Urban now and, and Day's okay and better than – no, it's like they love Day so much because of the type of person he is and the type of coach he is and the way he communicates with them. They still love Urban. They just love Day more. And I found that very interesting that these parents who are skeptical of Day now are thrilled that it worked out the way it did. And I think nothing against Urban. I, I, I kind of feel the same way. You know, I think we'll see. Day hasn't won a national title yet. Um, Urban won one. I think Day's going to win one. And I, I like finally he's got the staff where he needs it. I mean, he had it in 2019. He had a good staff. Um, Yursich was not a good fit here. For those that don't know, most of you know, they're – there's a reason Yurcich left after one year. It wasn't like the amicable split that everybody that was made out to be. Day's too classy. He's not going to trash Yurcich on his way out the door. Day basically told Yurcich to find a new job, and that's what he did. Um, so the 2019 staff wasn't perfect by any means. I think Fry is going to be an upgrade over Stodrawa, although I think Stodrawa wasn't bad. I just think Fry is an upgrade. Um, and obviously Knowles, I mean, come on, it's a massive upgrade from Combs. Um, and I, I like the DB coaches. So listen, I think it's just fun. I mean, anyway, I just think Ryan day, we'll see if he's going to be an upgrade over urban time will tell. But I think right now I'm in that camp that the parents are that I love urban. I appreciate everything he did for Ohio state. He completely came in here and just raised the level of recruiting and the program and everything. Hell, he raised the level of the big 10 by himself. Um, got a national championship for the Buckeyes. 
maybe put it on cruise control a little too much after that. And the friends and family plan bringing like Bill Davis, his best man from his wedding and made some very questionable hires uh, toward the end of his tenure, but still, I mean, seven to no against Michigan national title day has already lost to Michigan. Urban never did that. Um, day has not won a national title, but I think he will. I think he will. Maybe it'll be this year. All right. Went way longer than I expected, but, um, Hey, we don't have availability at Ohio State today. We don't have interviews and practices and open. We've been over. Our heads have been spinning um, since last Wednesday in a good way because we get to watch practice. We get to interview coaches, players. Tomorrow's practice is open to the media, 9.30 a.m. Afterward, at 11.30 a.m., probably more like 11.45, we will interview head coach Ryan Day. And I will ask him about how he's such an upgrade over Urban Meyer. No, I won't ask him about that. I'll ask him other questions about the team. Um, really appreciate you guys being with me again. Like I see all, all the comments. I really appreciate it. It's hard to, you know, when I'm doing the show solo to click on them and see exactly what you guys are saying. But, um, I do appreciate, um, all the comments really appreciate you guys tuning into the show. Cannot thank you enough. Um, sorry for the technical difficulties to begin the, I guess, first broadcast. We're going to call it that. Um, glad this one, uh, hung in for us. So, uh, thank you so much for joining me. Really appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great day. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.